Let's make our way back to our seats. First service in 2015. How many excited? Now, you know I asked for snow on Christmas, but God was never late, always on time. Show up a little later, but it showed up, didn't it? So I have faith, and I want to welcome you guys to 2015, especially our guests. Thank you for coming out. If you don't know who I am, Pastor Rich Lee, pastor here, and we're really excited about what God has for us in 2015. Some of the guys said that during prayer this morning, and uh, we put a message together today. Uh, We'll start a new series next week, but in the beginning of the year, we try to put to hear what God's saying, and uh, call this one Prepare 2015. It's a message, I believe, from the church and also, you better take it individually for your lives and see what you think says God is saying to you individually along, along with us corporately. So really want to thank you guys for coming out. Thank you for our team for braving the cold weather and getting here early this morning and turning on the heat. And because uh, we had it off all week and we're able to enjoy each other. If you want to go ahead in your Bibles, Joshua chapter 1. We're going to go through Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Um, I'll be using the ESV version. Also, if you don't have your Bibles, we'll have it on the screen. It's Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Why don't we go ahead and start reading. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Circle that. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all your days of your life. You want to circle that. That's a good promise. Just as I was with Moses, so I'm with you. That's another promise. But I will not leave you or forsake you. That's another promise. Be strong and be courageous. You shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may be, have good success wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Father, I ask this morning, let the Spirit, let your Spirit speak to the church. Let us hear what you're trying to say in this time. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many know the story of Moses, children of Israel, in the, in the wilderness, and Moses wanted to lead them in? And because of unbelief, they didn't go in. And they had to wait 40 years before they entered into the, what they call their promised land, their inheritance. There was two guys who were able to make it through, Caleb and Joshua. And Joshua, as you see here, as we read here, was Moses' assistant. And all that was going on. When Moses would seek the Lord in the house to attend a meeting, Joshua would, would go with them. Moses would come out. Joshua would, would stay. He was his assistant for many years. But here's the thing about Moses. Moses was not going to take the people into the promised land 
It was chosen for Joshua to do it. One thing I know when you read the Old Testament, you want to read it with the eyes of Christ. The writers say that the Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed, and the New Testament says that Jesus Christ is revealed. When you look at a story like that, you can see Christ all in the story. One thing, if you see Moses, because you see a types and figure of Christ in this story. When you see Moses, Moses is the one who identified the law to them. But the law can never save you. The law took them to a certain point in the Bible. The law will take you to a certain point to let you know that you need a savior. Well, Moses could not go into the promised land because of what he'd done in God's eyes. But he took the children of Israel to the tip of the promised land for them to look in. That's what the Lord does. Shows how much sin we have. And it takes us to the point to show we can't fix ourselves. We definitely need a Savior. Then you look at the people that he's taking in. The new generation of people. Old generation died. New generation came in. And here they are. They were born into slavery. They had no good lineage. All they know is their parents were in slavery, and they were born into slavery. And they were wandering around the desert till they got old enough to cross over. So their pedigree wasn't all that well. And they were slaves to whatever they were with or done. Like us. That's us. The children of Israel say, I'm us. I'm us. Slaves to sin. Now you see Joshua. Joshua's picked to take him in. Joshua's name means Yahweh saves, the Lord saves, which means that he was going to bring him into the promised land, bring him into salvation. He's the type of Christ, because only Christ can bring us to salvation. The law can't, but Christ can. The, law, the, the, the gospel is the only one that can take you from a slave to free. The gospel is the only thing that can change the world. It's the only one that can give you an accurate diagnosis of what's wrong on the planet. And it's the only one that can give you the remedy, the true remedy on how to fix it. So when you look at this story, as we go through this story, God was showing me and prepare how we see the gospel. He says for the church, when you start reading your Bibles, church, don't read it for information. Find Christ in the Bible. He's all through it. You'll be surprised. His types and figures are all through the Bible. As we go on, we'll see a couple of things. I'm going to unpack this. First thing is, he said, uh, Joshua, Moses is dead. Now rise and go. It's interesting for me that Moses died and they have mourning for 30 days. And I know Joshua's hurting. And it's hard to step into Moses' feet because it says that Moses really was a servant of God and I'm only his assistant. But it's amazing that God put it on Joshua to do it. What amazing is he told him, guys, it's dead. The past is dead. Listen to me. The past is dead. Now rise and go. What happens in Christianity 
when we get caught up, that's what God was showing me. In the past, we kind of embalm the past. And we wind up escaping our future. See, how many know love 2015? It's here now. How many know you can't take the stuff from 14 into 15? In fact, you can't write your check 2014, they'll kick it back. So the old and new, God was showing me, we can't embalm the past. Here's if you know you're caught up with the past, especially relationally. If you're still walking around saying, every time I get into a relationship with someone else, someone does something, you're embalming the past, and you're missing the future. Because you might, there's someone greater in the future that you won't be able to see because you're still embalming the past. And you preserve it. And you build monuments about it. But you can't move forward. Now it says arise and go. 25 years ago, January, no, July 4th, this church was planted in Abilene, Texas. Out of Midland, Texas. Guys don't know if you're brand new. We're part of a movement called Every Nation. And we plant churches. And our sister church, which planted us, our mother church, the planters, is in Midland. 25 years ago, a group of people came and planted this church in Abilene, Texas. The reason why they did that, because God told them there's an inheritance here, which is people who need to know the gospel. So we were deployed from there. Now we're here. Now, 25 years later, we've done some good work. What God is saying right now, we need to really go out and capture that which God has told us over 25 years ago. I'm unpacking this because this is for everybody. Because as we prepare for 2015, God wants to do something fantastic, but we have to be in a place to see it. Because let me tell you how he's going to do it. It's going to look like work. It's going to look like turmoil. It's going to look like trials. And that's why most opportunities are missed, because that's what they look like. You notice the promised land was full of Hittites and Canaanites and all those ites. So really, your promised land, the promises of God are sitting right there in the middle of trouble. That's how God does it. So if you're walking away from it, that's your area you need to go to, where all the trials and the hard times are. That's where God plants your, your garden, in the middle of the mess. <laughs> we don't talk about this much in church. We think blessing and bless. You know what it calls to be blessed, persecuted. Morning. Go to, go to Matthew 5. I'm going to give you a good definition about being blessed. Getting smacked for Jesus. That's a blessing. You're like, no, that, that's a fight. <laughs> Let me get on track. What God was doing to Joshua, he was encouraging him about promising him his provision, his protection, and his presence when he's going into this new land. Guys, wherever God sends us, on the base, on the universities, in our city, you better believe it's going to be provision, protection, and most of all, his presence is with us.
is such an inheritance here for us in Abilene. The other thing I realized when I read Matthew 16 about where God planted the church, established his church, he took the disciples far out of any kind of religious influence into a pagan place and said, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. Upon this foundation in the middle of this pagan society, I'm going to plant my church. Guess what the church is supposed to be planted? And how many strategically know we're right in the middle of our city? And everyone's saying, oh, the world is going. No, opportunities are growing tremendously. Why? Because God loves people. And he uses people to reach people. Next thing, a few things in here. There's three promises that uh, he promised Joshua from verses 3 through 6. First one is, every place that the sole of your, feet, your foot touches is yours, that I have given you. Now, you got to look at the language there. Given means God already gave us something. And since he already given us something, that means we have to what? Possess it. Yes. We have to go get it. Now, we understand the sovereignty of God, but it does not excuse the responsibility of man. Now, he sets things up, but we have to go possess it. We have to go get it. I mean, know if you're married, you have to work on it. You can't stay in the closet praying for God to change your wife or your husband. Because when you're going to come back in the closet and tell you, you need to change. (laughs) Now, get out of the closet. So for us, what God is saying, the promise is over this place. But one thing he says, every place I put my foot, you own it. So I look at ACU. I look at Hardin-Simmons. I look at McMurray. I look at all these universities. I look at the schools. Everywhere we put our foot, we own it. But we got to put our foot there to get it. So I'm encouraged because he says it's already ours. So I, I love our college men. You guys ought to be celebrating. You're not fighting too hard. You're just walking in what God has already ordained for Abilene over 25 years ago. And for our adults, wake back up. It's too hard. That's what it's supposed to be. Who said it was going to be easy? It's cities to touch here. Cities dying for Christians to stand up. Not to party in the building, to party outside the building. Really. It's exciting because it's already been given to me. I love when my wife makes a cake. Y'all know how much I like cake. <laughs> and she gives it to me. Do I sit there and let it rot? Y'all know me better than that. How long? You think I'm going to let it rot? No, I'm going to eat it. And if you bring a cake, I'm going to eat that too. Because it's been given to me. It's like a gift. You guys got good gifts this year, right? None of y'all got good gifts. Okay, the garage sale is next month. I'll take them. And we'll sell it, and then we'll give emissions away like we did last year. Think about it. God, is someone's giving you a gift. Someone's giving you something. It's yours. But the church guy's saying, I need you to unwrap it. I need you to start discovering it. You want a great marriage? 
Step into it. He's already said you'll have a great marriage if you put him first. So start working it out. Stop making excuses for someone else. It's not her fault. It's not his fault. It's both of your fault. Unless you put Jesus first. That's a free paid commercial. <laughs> and here's a promise that God was instituting through Joshua. He gave that promise all the way back to Abraham in the very beginning. The very beginning. Know why I'm giving you, I'm on this with you? Because Warren Wisby says this God's promises are prods, not pillows. They prod you, not make you just comfortable. To sit back. Well, I'm just believing God. You better start putting your feet to that belief. And really, it's the greatest opportunity, guys. It really is. Because everyone's exhausted all the ideas. And we have a God that's never exhausted. This is for the Church of Jesus Christ of Abilene, Texas, Grace Point Church. To go out. And you'll be hearing, we'll have some opportunities to do that, to go out. Second thing he said, no one will be able to stand before you. That's a great, how many love that promise? I'm going to beat everyone in front of me. I'm going to beat every demon, every devil in front of me. And here's the promise. We love, how many love that promise? But then the way he put it is like, well, that means they're not going to try. That means they're gonna, someone's going to try it. Some mean you're going to have friction. Some mean there's going to be trials and tribulation. That means you're going to, the devil's going to try you on it. Because he said, why would he put it in there? No man will be able to stand before you. That means men are going to try to stand before me, but he cannot stand before me. That means pressure. That means persecution. Nothing can stand before me if I don't let it. That is the promise for our families. It's the promise for our nation. Kids, how many of our kids need to see parents walking around confident? Because as you go, they go. And it doesn't matter if you're a single parent. You're the greatest on the planet. Because whoever decides not to take that job, they cut out. And quit is quit. But people who stick it out win. How many amens I got on that? And one thing I learned about difficulties, they keep me dependent on God. <laughs> they keep me dependent. Because you know you get this independent thing when you win a couple of victories. Yeah. Feel like Yali. <laughs> then something just come, knocks you down. You say, God, he says, I tell you. Well, aren't we so confident? That's what God's in trouble in the garden, isn't it? God's will and my will. I didn't need to know what was good and evil. I really didn't. I'd rather just eat the fruit. It was so big. Not eat that fruit, the fruit they allowed. But think about it. If we don't have trouble, I know it's tough. We won't be dependent on God. How many prayer warriors we got when things are going on? How about when things are going well? Phew, yeah, I don't need to pray today. I got grace for tomorrow. And tomorrow falls out, you're back on your what? Your knees. God knows we need that. And most of it isn't your fault. Whenever he wants to grow you up, he'll throw things in front of you. 
Because life is lived on levels, but we arrive at stages. So whatever stage you're in or level you are, he'll bring another stage to bring you to another level. Your idea, your thing is not to quit. He was saying all this to Joshua because Joshua in his mind said, I got over a million people to bring him into a hostile land. And these people are going to follow me the way they followed Moses? There's four books, and five books in the Bible, how well they followed Moses. <laughs> I'm glad God they only gave me one book. Well, hey, today, gone tomorrow. Isn't that the church? I love you. Kill them. That's why Moses stayed on his knees. Because we do. We need to do that. Bless you. Third one is, I really love this one. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you. Now, when you look at it in the Hebrew, the word leave means drop. And the word forsake means abandon you. See, God never runs out on his promises. Whenever you're going through something, he'll never leave you or forsake you. In fact, you could not be bad enough for him to leave you or forsake you because he, Jesus died on the cross, not because you were so good, it's because of because he loves us. So he was not leaving us or forsaking us because he died on the cross for us, even though we didn't want nothing to do with him. But the promise, I, I, you never leave me or forsake me. You never drop me or abandon me. Now, some things will, things will drop you quick. I'm not going to talk about the cell phone companies, but the minute you say, I'm thinking about switching, they drop you or abandon you. God never does that. And that is what we need as we go out and we share the gospel with other people. Because if one thing he kept putting in there, that I'll never leave you or forsake you, you're going to have to be strong and you have to have courage. Church, we need courage more today than everything. What makes us quit is a lack of courage today. Not a lack of word, not a lack of promises, a lack of courage. Especially when it comes to change. We don't like to change because the change always seems to hurt more than staying the same. So I'd rather, that's just the way I am. And God's trying to change you. And it hurts sometimes. If your tooth is infected, you need it pulled, don't you? Does it hurt? But it's going to be better so much in two or three days. That's how discipleship is. Your pride needs to be pulled out your chest. Does it hurt? Oh, yeah, because I'm so self-reliant. My love needs to increase. Why? Because I am just so selfish. That's just the way I am. You can't stay that way. If you want to walk with me, the world doesn't need selfish. They're not doing well with that. They don't need pride that we're the strongest on the planet. It's not working. They need grace. Truth tells them your tooth is bad. Grace pulls it out. That's what God's calling us. That's why we're called Grace Point. And next week, next three weeks, 
you want to don't miss those series. I'm going to unpack why Grace Point is here, what we do, and how we do it. For three straight weeks, it'll be crystal clear why we're here. But I want to let you know, preparing, we need to prepare for what God wants to do. It's interesting here. It said, be strong and courageous three times, which means in the Hebrew, be firm and be strong. Be firm. Now, here's an interesting thing, that you can be strong and still be humble. It's called meekness. And God calls us to be strong and humble. And the only way we can do that, how can I stay strong and stay humble? He gets down to it. The book of the law. Now, in those days, the book of the law was the, the five books that Moses penned a little bit. And they were in scrolls. That's all he had. But we realize when you look at the Old Testament, anytime you kind of went off the book, you kind of got in trouble. How many love rules when you were growing up as a child? Wasn't rules good for you? If you didn't I don't know about today. If you didn't follow the rules, you were what? In trouble. And my day is more than time out. <laughs> but if you didn't follow the rules, you'll be in trouble. I'm glad we all follow the speed limit. <laughs> or we'll be in trouble. You like get cut off like I did the other day. God's word, look what he says to do with his word. Verse 8, meditate in it, speak it, and do it. Meditate, speak, and do it. Meditate day and night means to mumble. Start speak, mumble it. Like you talk. Remember I told you last week about talking to yourself? It is okay as long as you got the word of God in your mouth. And then you start to speak it, which builds your faith. Now, here's the greatest thing about speaking it. If you got the word of God in your mouth, you can't speak anything else that's negative. And in church world, if you have the word of God in your mouth, you will do what the Bible says when you have a concern. How many heard that word before? I have a concern, pastor. <laughs> the Bible says any worry that you have, you're supposed to turn it into what? Prayer. Now, if you don't turn it into prayer, it automatically turns into gossip because your concern becomes gossip because you didn't turn it into prayer. So when you speak it, you don't have nothing else to speak about except what the Bible says. But it also builds your faith because, you know, how many love Philippians 4.13? Miss Helen knows it. She writes it down all the time. It's one of our favorite scriptures. I can do all things through what? How many need that sometime on any day of the week? What happens when you say it? Build something inside you that was weak. You firm it down. So you don't shake from the circumstances. You stand on top of them because you're staying on the word. And then the next thing is to really solidify it is to do it. Don't have a Bible study about it. Do it. You know, like that word go. 
in the Bible when he says, go make disciples? We're still making Bible studies. What does that really mean? Let's have five Bible studies about the word go. It means go. <laughs> when you do it, it solidifies that you know it. I used to teach emergency procedures. And I had to teach it to a level that they only, they read it, they meditated on it, they spoke it, because I made them speak it, so when the emergency comes out, they know how to do it. Because you don't need to find chapter 44 if you're in big trouble. You need to know what's here. How many agree with that? I, I told them, when you're falling, free falling at 25,000 feet, sir, the last thing you want to do is pull out the book and look at it. <laughs> you got to know exactly what to do. Same thing with me. If I'm falling through circumstances, the last thing I need to do is try to call somebody, hey, what is that word saying? I need to know it. Now when I get home, I can, I can deal with it. Here's what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. When we're out in the street, since we meditate on it, we start to speak it because you're starting to help people with their issues. And then they'll really fall in love with you because you start to do it. Because you know what the two words in, the, two, the one thing says in the Bible, the whole Bible says this, love God and love people. Our churches around the world are breaking out so quickly because of one thing, love. Because no one can love like a Christian. In foreign nations, Muslim faiths are being squashed because of the love. Now, we can do some great work. They can do some great work. But no one can love like a Christian. reason why no one can love like a Christian, because that's what God calls to do. Love him, and you'll love who I love. Love people. Love God. You've seen me do it. I'm the, the, one of the greatest movies on the planet. Wax on, wax off. It was so good, Machio. He never had another movie since. <laughs> Because he's, he's living off the royalties now. What you laughing at? Every time I say he's getting paid. He put an offering in the bucket last week. Just kidding. Wax on. Love. Wax off. People. That's what it sums up to. All the law. All that. I wrote this down. Committed adherence to the word brings stable assurance in God. How many believe that? You'll be stable when you adhere to the word. And it works out you'll be successful. It occurs when you're knowing and you're doing the will of God. That's the success that you'll get. To me, obedience is success. That I did everything that God called me to do, I really I feel very successful. Apart from God, there is no success. There isn't anything. Joshua was called to be confident and assured in an environment he was going to go and route people out. One thing, a type and figure of Christ whenever. How many believe salvation is just the beginning? When children of Israel got into the promised land, there was a problem that happened. They got there, 
And then they just wave for Joshua. And Joshua said, you have this land, this clan has this, you have that, that tribe has that. Go get it, go get it, go get it. They stood around. And then later on they said, um, how come you're not going to, I'm not doing it. I, my job was to bring you in. Your job is to go and take it out. Now all that in the land was sin. And whatever you don't take out of your life will take you out. So that's discipleship. Rooting that out. Then you know you had that in you. And God says, take it out. How am I going to do that? You have to take it out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. A process. I'm saved, but I'm being saved. That's called growth. And that's why we wanted to start the year off together as a family. Because I said the first thing to keep us strong is the word of God. Second thing is prayer and consecration. To consecrate ourselves before God. That we move ourselves with that, that hinders our walk with Him and spend time in His presence. And that's what Joshua said when they went through all the all the motion. He got the word. He was commissioning Joshua in this. Chapter 3 says, I want you to do this. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord. Does he say might do? Will do abundance on money. That's what we're believing for 2015. As we, only the pure in heart will see God. I want to see him so badly. I want to see him do, I want him to do so many miracles and, and great things in 2015. My faith is skyrocketing because it's all conditional on what I look or what I am seeing. Put it that way. It's all conditional on my consecration. So I will see the things that he's actually doing, not complain about, because I see God's moving in it. And as we go out and we talk to people, they might reject me on Monday, but if I have their phone number, they can't reject me for the next two years. At least I made contact. I get to see God doing something. That's what he's saying. 25 years, you guys have done great work. But it's time. It's time, Pastor Rich. It's time, Grace Point Church. It's time, congregation, to do the things God called us to do. If we don't do it, we'll just fight one another. We'll grow to 200 and we'll stay there, and we won't even be around the next 25 years. I've been reading a lot of books lately about people and leaving churches and things like that. I'm like, what's going on? And God showed me something. Whenever someone gets despondent with the church, all they're doing is getting despondent with themselves because it didn't say the church was a building. The church says it's the called out ones. So if you're a called out one, you decide, I don't want to be bothered anymore. You're just indicting yourself. You're not indicting the church. And I know I can inspire people, but I can't give hunger to people. The word God, you got to be hungry for it. You got to be so hungry for God. I can't bring hunger to you. You got to have a God, the Holy Spirit has to bring the hunger to you. And when we get in that place, everything that we think is possible, impossible, becomes possible with God. 
Let's stand. I think I'll finish this message next week. There's a scripture I read. Because we're going to sing this song. Nothing's impossible for my marriage. Nothing's impossible for my kids. Nothing's impossible for the campus. Nothing is impossible for middle school. Nothing's impossible for uh, standard school. Nothing's impossible for this world. Nothing's impossible. But I got to see it. I got to see it. It says here. Scripture I read all the time. Luke 137, let me know that. All things are possible. In the American Standard Version, blew me away. It says this, Luke 137, for no word from God shall be void of power. No word from God shall be void of power. When I'm reading the word of God, it's not void of power. Whenever he sends me out, I'm not void of power. Whenever he tells me to talk to anybody, I'm not void of power. When I show up, the Holy Spirit shows up because I already own it. I already own it. He says, go get it. Don't be depressed. Be victorious. I already won. I conquered. I conquered death. If I conquered death, well, I can sure enough fix you. Get your excitement back because those don't know Jesus. We do. And he's saying 25 years. Good on you. But you got another 100 to change this city because we're right in the center of this city. And I might be crazy, but it's going to happen. Why? Because his word is not void of power, and what he says will change. He never runs out on a promise. How many believe in God for something big this year? Let's praise the Lord this morning.